0: Sign up for the Eat Denver Meetup. Free beer. Free beer. Jeez, um free beer. I get, I get pretty loose about 1.5 IPAs in. Uh, and so that, <laughs> It doesn't take much,
1: huh? It doesn't Especially take much. Especially no, when a, you've I'm been fasted for easy. 36 hours before. Yeah. <laughs> Bankless Nation, it is the third Friday of February. We're after Valentine's Day now. And uh David, what are we getting ready to do? Gary Gensler not showing us any love, is he this no, week? No, not this week. Not this week at all. But there's so much other
0: cool stuff uh apart from the SEC Banhammer that came to uh to hit us on the head this last week. So we're gonna cover all of that, weekly news, and more because Ryan. Like you asked, it's the Friday weekly roll up where we cover all the weekly news and more, which is always an ambitious endeavor.
1: Yet we persevere nonetheless. It is. Uh Okay. The SEC versus crypto right after we recorded last week, Gary smacks us upside the head like three times, I think. Literally one hour after we were done recording, the biggest news of the week dropped. And I was like, ah. Oh. he was waiting. He, 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 was, he, was, he was waiting afraid. for us to finish. Yeah, yeah. He was afraid that the roll up was going to capture all of this. Yeah. And, uh, and try he to sneak until it after. On us. Yeah. yeah. It's not going to work, Gary. Sneaky, Gary. Let's talk about that. <laughs> Stinky Gary. The SEC versus crypto. We'll talk about that. Also, David, the blur token dropped. Yep. We've got some details Big on drop. that, don't we? Big drop. Yep. Mm-hmm. What We've else got? A bunch of numbers. Uh, we also
0: found the source of SPF's bailout money. Really? So we're going to talk. Yeah. We're going to talk about who actually paid for SPF's bailout. Um, the name Stanford comes to mind, Ooh. uh, ordinals, Bitcoin ordinals, not dead yet. Still growing in energy third week in a row where we can still talk about Bitcoin ordinals. So glad that that's not turning into a fad. This um, is the, the
1: most Bitcoin content in years from Vegas. Yeah, like <laughs> We
0: have this section in the weekly rollup called Bitcoin stuff. It's empty 90% of the time, but like the last three weeks in a row, it's all been ordinals. Uh, so or, more ordinal ordinal stuff continues. Uh, Celsius customers might get their money back kind of. Some of it, maybe, maybe, Ryan, maybe. You, you tell me there's that? hope, David. You, you tell there's me there's hope for hope. me, huh? There's a little bit of hope. Uh, uh, and then also the ZKEVM
1: wars are heating up once again. Uh, so we'll cover all of this and more. David, before we get in, we got to talk about something we don't usually talk about or mm. shill. And that is a bankless citizenship. Mm-hmm. We used to call this bankless premium. We're rebranding. We're Rebrand. a citizen mm-hmm. of the bankless nation and uh, what is a bankless citizenship? And by the way, what are we looking at here? Because this looks like an event for the bankless nation at um, a conference that's coming up. What are we looking at?
0: Yeah, exactly. So bankless citizens all get all of the extras that comes in the bankless ecosystem There's an extra free podcast uh, There are in real life events Weekly podcast about. Exactly the yeah. debriefs Yeah. There's just a bunch of extra perks And, and we've uh, hired out uh, like two quarters ago And continue to hire out And now a lot of this stuff is coming into fruition uh, So the perks of being a bankless citizen Are uh, up only One of these perks is the Bankless Nation meetup uh, We so much of the bankless team I think uh, nine of us Not including me Are showing up to ETH Denver not ryan <laughs> uh Sorry, and so we're hosting a meetup and so for the premium members for the bankless citizens there is a meetup we are at two-thirds capacity so this is your final reminder that if you are a bankless citizen and you are also going to eat denver to sign up for the eat denver meetup free beer free beer Jeez, um free beer. i get i get pretty loose about 1.5 ipas in uh and so that, <laughs> it doesn't take much huh? it doesn't Especially take much no, when a, you've been fasted for easy. 36 hours <laughs>
1: Uh, so there's a
0: link in the show notes if you are not a premium member but you do excuse me if you are not a bankless citizen and you would like to go go. to the in real life event sign up for uh sign up uh we're going to be doing this at ecc we're going to be doing this at permissionless in september your bankless citizenship also gets you 30 percent off of permissionless tickets which pays for itself by the way uh and will also give you access to all the future things that we do as well you're gonna love it link in the show notes All right, David. Let's flip to markets. What's uh, Bitcoin doing for us this week? Uh, Bitcoin very happy this week. Chad, Chad levels of happiness uh, started the week at twenty two thousand six hundred, ending the week just shy of twenty five thousand dollars. We did touch twenty five thousand dollars. We are currently at twenty four thousand eight hundred dollars. So is that a ten percent? Ten percent. Nice job, Bitcoin. Dang, crushing it. Is this taking off the rest? Yeah, NFT fervor. I don't think this is NFT fervor. Can Uh, we say it is though? Can we just? uh, Make up it would. It happened in the same
1: week, so yes, it is
0: absolutely <laughs> NFT forever on, on Bitcoin. That's why Perfect. this happened. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, and 100%. we called it too. We predicted it. We knew it would be ten percent. Never miss uh, a call. ETH. How's ETH doing?
0: ETH uh, started the week at sixteen thirty, up six percent to seventeen Uh ten. We're breaking through that seventeen hundred dollar mark. If we can keep our head, there's a, a resistance line, a meme line at seventeen hundred dollars, and we are currently ten dollars above that. Uh, if we can hold that and we have be above the mean line, that means we have broken through some resistance. And hopefully, that means
1: you get continuation uh, if you believe in this kind of thing this voodoo so. chart magic. Pop quiz. So when Bitcoin price goes up more than ETH price, what happens to the ratio, David? Uh, The ratio uh, between Ether and Bitcoin goes down from an Ethereum perspective. So we are down
0: 4.5%, which is a big move for the ratio on the week. So Bitcoin definitely won the week this week.
1: Definitely uh, won the week. And David, what would we do without Kraken, who provided us these glorious charts, allows us to, on a weekly basis, tell you the price of ETH, tell you the price of Bitcoin. Otherwise, how would you know? It's not like how, how, you check how the prices. You know?
0: Yeah, you can still you can still tell that Ryan's still using uh, his old tabs method, even though that these uh, Kraken charts have tabs inside of the tabs. tabs so You don't tabs. have to use your browser tabs. You can just use oh, Kraken look sets. At this I, Ryan, I Ryan's got Soul Bitcoin. BTC up. Yeah, yeah, Ryan's looking at the Soul BTC <laughs> ratio. <laughs> just uh, How's that doing? Can you zoom out on that uh, over on the top left? You can go to the four
1: hour uh, candles instead of the yeah, one hour, four candles. hour candles. candles. Yeah, yeah. How's the um, uh,
0: Soul BTC doing? Ooh, not great. Yeah.
1: Total market cap for crypto. I know we're above a trillion, right? What's Mm -hmm. the number?
0: We are almost at 1.2 trillion. We got 1.17 trillion
1: dollars in total crypto market cap. Uh, Bullish, bullish trend. I'm not feeling bearish right now. I'm not not bearish at all. Um, Does does that concern me? I mean, it's been like what 260 some days, 250 days, or something since um, all time lows on Ether. Uh, That's not that long. In the scheme of things. Yeah. Well,
0: so Ether bottomed back in last, like April or May in yeah. dollar terms. Bitcoin yeah. bottomed recently in November. So Ether in the FTX crash, Bitcoin hit a new low. Ethers did not hit a new low. So Ether's been like, uh, having higher lows for a long time now. It's actually, it cause like, no one really expected the 2022 bear market to be as bad as it was, and so we were like halfway through 2022, and it's like, oh, is this bear market happening or not? And then all the way through 2022, it was like, oh, this is definitely happening. Now we're into February. We're like almost a year and a half into a bear market, and that's not a short amount of time. So like people just, are like, oh, how will this bear market is going to be so brutal? We're a year and a half into it. Almost. It hasn't been brutal, has it? Like I, I just from from an e- ether has had a better time this bear market than
1: okay. And Ether and Bitcoin, has had a better time in this bear market than every other asset. We'll talk about why so, that like, might be true when yeah. we get to uh, the ultrasound money charts a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But first, got to do our inflation watch, David. Mm-hmm. So the inflation report came out this week. And uh, how are we doing? I'll read the headline, and you tell me what this means, David. Inflation rose 0.5% in January, more than expected, and up 6.4% from a year ago. That's up 6.4%, but overall down in annualized inflation numbers. But it rose... in january which as i understand it was a bit higher than most people in the market was expecting so what do you take from this uh yeah so uh, the markets really liked this so i think even though it's
0: higher than expectations i think the downtrend the market is starting to believe in this downtrend uh It's interesting. It's like it kind of counterintuitive, but the markets are liking it, and I think people are. The market is uh, overall accounting for the fact that inflation has definitely
1: peaked. It's funny to me because I I I don't like this is a little higher than I expected, right? So Mm -hmm. just to give you context, in just January alone is 0.5 percent increase in inflation. December Mm -hmm. was only a 0.1 percent increase in inflation. So the annualized number covers a lot because it's a trailing uh, 12 months. Even though that was down on the month, we were like 5x up i don't know mm-hmm. if that makes sense i i do think that this means we're guaranteed to get more rate increases from the fed at Probably. least another 0.25 percent increase i mean that was already on the table but that yes. was already on the table and this just uh this just guarantees it i i saw um, some headlines from the new york times uh one of the subtitles was evidence is mounting that it could be a long road back to normal which also begs the question david of what is normal yeah Two percent is no longer the normal number. I don't anymore. think. That, well, like I don't think that should be considered the the new normal. And I, I'm not kind of making excuses for the for the Fed. Obviously, I mean we we, we talk a lot about the problem of, of money printing here. But mm-hmm. for everyone to just expect inflation to go back to two percent and for it to reset um, after we kind of get through this you know COVID supply chain thing that we've gone through over the past 24 months, I think that is fantasy land. I don't think yeah. we're going uh, quite there. And maybe this um, proves that inflation's going to be a bit more pernicious than some people thought. Yeah. Well, uh, inflation conspiracy theorists, which I don't think is an actually a conspiracy,
0: but uh, has is, you know, it's only reported to be at this level, the actual real inflation, uh, is likely always going to be higher than what's reported. And people who are familiar with this are the citizens of Argentina. And this is a, a tweet that we're looking at from Dylan Leclerc where annualized Argentine inflation hits 99%, basically 100% inflation level, which means that the value of the Argentine peso loses 50% of its value over an annualized basis Uh, At the current monthly inflation levels measured in January, highest
1: since 1991. Can you imagine that? So think about that. So you're making $100,000 last year, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Your salary, let's say. Now it's only worth $50,000. So you hadn't gotten a pay raise at all. You just cut in half your um, price-adjusted earnings, Right. But How then you'll go that? to your
0: employer and be like, well, because of inflation, you have to pay me more. And the employer's like, yeah, I have to pay you more. And so in, wages go up, which means spending goes up, which means inflation in, furthers, which is why this spirals out of control. So like we talk about like, I wanted to put this in the agenda because we always talk about like, oh, inflation's at 7%. Oh, it's going down to six and a half percent. We are so privileged in America to be talking about single-digit inflation. Argentina and many, many other countries have been dealing with 20 30% inflation for, like, decades now. And so, like, the difference between what is the official reported inflation numbers, which is always suppressed because it makes governments look better, versus what actual real inflation is, like, this is – this is like new to a lot of American listeners.
1: This is a part of life and culture in so many countries around the world. Yeah. You look at this chart um, in 2019, Argentina was hitting over 50% inflation, almost 60% mm-hmm. inflation some months, right? This is um, well, increased, but it's not mm-hmm. like 50% is uh, is the easy road here. Um, speaking of inflation, David... This is about the opposite of inflation. This I is called, might be called deflation, deflation, <laughs> deflation, my friend, this is ETH supply and it's a, a dip, a chart that's only going one direction. That direction is down. We talked about this the last couple of times in the roll up, but I can't believe it. Um, we are down almost a full 25,000 ether. Yeah. Down 25,000 ether since the merge, the merge happened, Yep, which is, uh, pretty crazy that was 154 days ago this must mean that gas fees are up this must mean that block space demand is uh being demanded and <laughs> um yeah I, I i guess maybe tell us what this means gas, yeah, gas so is we, the new we've oil. hit
0: a new 24 hour eth burn record three thousand eight hundred. this was a result of the blur token airdrop uh gas prices That's hit why. Something like five, it sustained 500 Guay for almost an hour, dude. And we haven't seen that since DeFi summer days. It peaked out at 750 Guay. Uh, the new 24-hour burn record is about 3,800 Ether burned inside of 24 hours. I think we almost burned 1,000 Ether inside of one hour at the very, very peak. The monthly inflation rate for Ether is negative one quarter of 1%, uh, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Gases are back.
1: Can I ask you? So I, I mean, this is incredible, and it's incredible to see this during in, in a bear market, so called, mm-hmm. right? A block space demand being so off the charts. Why isn't somebody like a Michael Saylor all over Ether as an asset? Like, w- why are some of these people? I think so if you fixated? could answer that question, you get like a Nobel Prize. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, but I, I, this is, um, is this not sound money? I mean, is th- this is deflationary. I know Bitcoiners will define sound money a little bit differently and they'll say, because right, they don't, don't like tinkering with the monetary supply. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But human this is, control over the monetary but supply. But this is not human control. This is all like code driven at this point. Right. But humans tinkered with it too recently. So you have to wait 10 years until you buy it Yeah. And like and some,
0: some of the, the hardest, hardcore Bitcoiners were like, well, they humans tinkered with it once, therefore it's tainted for forever. But this is an
1: argument we made going back as as far as the 2018, which is like there's really no incentive to tinker it in the inflationary direction, is there? Right. Right. If you just Everyone think about, only wants it to become more deflationary. Yeah. If you think about all the evil ETH people, um, <laughs> like, and they have the dials of the monetary. Even if you think that, which is mm-hmm. which is totally not true, but like even if you think that, yeah, well, the, all the evil ETH people probably hold a lot of ether, don't they? Right. Yeah. And so, why in the world? would they be incented to increase the supply of ether? I guess you could. It's
0: just two different philosophies. Bitcoiners are like, if you never ever touch the monetary policy, people will, will grow to trust it. And then the Ethereum philosophy is like, if you only make changes that benefit the holder base, then people become, start to trust it. And like, if you uh, see every single Ethereum monetary policy change ever, it has always been towards the more scarce direction. And now, recently, with the combination of EIP 1559 and proof of stake, the supply of Ether is becoming more scarce than Bitcoin, judged by inflationary issuance. Uh, and so it's just a matter of what, what do you, what are your values and what do you appreciate? Do you appreciate something that never, ever, ever changes ever? but still perhaps inflates more? Or do you uh, appreciate something that even while there is human input, that human input is always into the more scarce direction? Like, what do you want? What do you want?
1: And also, I think the human input into um, the you know monetary policy of Ether is, is kind of almost fully ossified. I mean, there yeah. might be some other changes to, to gas fee consumption, but we're kind yeah. of there yet. Kind of and really
0: also the conversation is like, well, OK, Bitcoiners and the Bitcoin philosophy is never, ever touch it. But then you run yourself into the dead end of like, well, then uh, your security budget runs out and then you're forced to t- change it later after you've already in, like created this culture of never, ever touching it. And so you run into a dead end. That's the Ethereum uh, perspective on it.
1: Yeah, Anyways. exactly. Well, let's, ta- well, let's hey. talk about uh, some Bitcoin stuff because Bitcoin block space revenue is up as well. It's also up. Yeah. yeah. What are we looking at, though? This is the Bitcoin halvening cycles.
0: Yeah, so uh, this is a, an arbitrary chart that is uh, four years in length, uh, day since halving, uh, and then they're inside of this four years of time. There's this arbitrary lines of hype, disillusionment, enlightenment. Um, but it's pretty obvious that the first one-ish year, one and a half years after a halving, Bitcoin has only gone up. Three out of three times. How many happenings have we had? Three, either three or four. Uh, and so Bitcoin has only gone up in the one and a half years post happening In the second half, uh, after that one and a half to like two and a half years after a happening, Bitcoin only has gone down. And we have continued that pattern. And then in the, what is the last phase, the perhaps one to one and a half years before the next happening, Bitcoin is flat to up-ish flat to upish more on the upside I'd say and so we are now in that last phase uh and the idea here is that if this trend continues the approach to the halving the one to one and a half years up to the halving is
1: definitely a upwards trend in bitcoin price that is what this chart shows this is uh three halvings over time and the, and the red line is is the most recent right so mm-hmm. we're getting ready to enter in the fourth and so it does predict this enlightenment period where bitcoin's just going to go go on a tear go on a run David... So I, no, I would say it goes up and then it hits
0: the halving and then it goes into Exactly, terror. that's right. right. Then then right. it goes
1: into after enlightenment, then we get into the high phase yeah. again. And then it, that's when it over It restarts. Uh, let me ask you though, I mean, this has been mm. true of previous cycles, but do you still think King Bitcoin controls the crypto markets in such a way? Do you th- do you think that it has... I mean, first of all, the halvings are much smaller than previously. So mm. in terms of um, like... Bitcoin denominations. Six point six
0: point two five bitcoins issued per block
1: now. In about a year and a half, it'll be uh, one three point one two five. Yeah, and and so that's one argument I'd make. the, the second argument I'd make is like, well, um, I I don't think the Bitcoin has the narrative any longer in crypto. I mm-hmm. mean, I I think that um, Ethereum, for example, or Web three in general, or other crypto assets has more of the narrative capture than than Bitcoin. At this point, and that that wasn't true in previous happening cycles, but I think it is true now. Do you think Bitcoin still can control the market in this way? Uh, yeah, I think that might be an Ethereum,
0: like inside of the Ethereum world perspective. Um, I think from the outside perspective, Bitcoin is still Bitcoin and still dominates. Uh, I I think that what you are saying will be true when the flipping happens, almost by definition. Um, I think that like what is culturally web three is far more culturally relevant than bitcoin but bitcoin is like a financial asset and it's also the biggest financial asset so it still is in the driver's seat but every single how every single year
1: that this goes on i think that that is less and less true as time goes on yeah well we will see what happens this time i do think directionally this will prove to be uh, correct one other thing uh, that we'll leave folks with in the market section david is chain analysis came out with their annual report on illicit cryptocurrency activity. David, do you want to guess the percentage of crypto transactions that are so-called illicit uh as reported well, by Chainalysis? Well, the chain last analysis? time
0: this report came out from Chainalysis, it was something like 1%-ish. I think it was less than 1%. I think it was something like 0.8 or 0.9%. What is it now?
1: I, I By the way, I appreciate you not looking uh, at the answer and actually uh doing a good faith guess because it is on screen right now. 0.24%. Huh, that's really low. Really low. That's really a percentage low. of uh, illicit inactivity. and these it's guys pretty cap- close to zero, Ryan. Well, these guys <laughs> capture it all. It's not just like, um, you know, terrorist financing, although that is one category. This includes ransomware. This includes scams. This includes cyber criminal administrators. This includes fraud sh- shops and darknet markets and stolen funds and everything that um, OFAC has has sanctioned. It includes all of that. And it comes mm. in at a whopping point two four percent what do you think the illicit activity of like cash money cash. real life physical cash is approaching a hundred percent i'm guessing it's a lot more than a point two four percent yeah and by the way these are the guys i, who I, I
0: joke with uh, my friends like the only time i use cash nowadays is to uh,
1: for drugs and laundry and not even drugs these days <laughs> 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 that's great um yeah so look at this man i anyway point this stat out next time someone tells you that all cryptocurrency is just like for criminal criminals and drug lords you'd think that meme would die but you know back 10 years ago when it stopped being true but it's still alive somehow in our halls of congress yeah. um david what do we it's got coming color. up next Coming up
0: next, the SEC comes with a ban hammer on Kraken, on Paxos, on all the things. So we're going to cover the news that dropped right after we recorded the weekly roll up last week. Um, there's also plenty of cool stuff to talk about. The blur airdrop. Uh, we also found out the source of SBS bailout money, Bitcoin ordinals That's alive cool. more than ever. The ZKEVM
1: wars, a uh, lot of, lots of cool stuff. So stick around. But first, I moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors. Here we go, David. The SEC ban hammer. Tell us, where is Gary Gensler swinging his hammer this time? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kraken has agreed to shutter its crypto staking services to
0: settle with the SEC. They've paid a $30 million fine to settle out of court. Uh, the SEC has accused Kraken of offering unregistered securities in their staking products. Uh, so the SEC claims that Kraken sold staking services to the public. They pulled crypto assets uh, and staked them on their behalf, but did some extra things as well, beyond just simply staking, that created uh, a unregistered security, um, and so Kraken has agreed to shutter that service uh, and wind down that that program. Um, yeah, what's your take on this, Ryan?
1: Oh, that that is, of course, when you said stake, you mean S T. A K E, not S-T-E-A-K. okay. A part of this story, <laughs> where this is gonna be a
0: reoccurring theme. Every enforcement action that we get, first with Kraken, then with Paxos, and one, one other, we get this influencer uh, video. Influencer video from <laughs> Gary Gensler, which is extremely infantilizing. It's like talking about proof of stake, and Gary Gensler goes, "That's S T A K A E, not S
1: Who is the target A-K-A-E? market for this?
0: Anybody, Anybody who is children. staking,
2: children. <laughs> what kind of
0: child that's what he's talking like should we should we play this let's, let's play this line alright let's let's play a clip of this
2: what does stake have to do with our securities laws that's S-T-A-K-E not S-T-E-A-K thanks Gary <laughs>
0: got the music
2: office hours you ready in the crypto markets, there are various ways to validate data stored on crypto.
1: There we go. I mean, My we can go God. on with this. Yeah, Thanks, that's what we're dealing Gary. with right now. Um, Thanks, Gary. Okay, so why? I'm sure Gary had a justifiable reason for ending staking at Kraken, did he not? So there is there
0: are differences between uh, like just taking customers ether, staking it on their behalf and passing along their rewards. So Kraken actually advertised a fixed yield, not a dynamic yield. And so of course the, the yield that you get from staking your assets is dynamic, but Kraken advertised like you will get this percentage. And then they did some other things that they could do because of economies of scale to make the product a better product, but because they were doing some extra things, they were finessing this, if you will, uh, that went from just being like a software as a security provider, I guess, to being an unregistered security. So like technically I'm not a securities lawyer. Uh, technically that what they did changed their product from just being a service provider to being an unregistered security. But I'll ask the question to what risk was there. Right. And so like, yeah, they're doing some extra things that changed the nature of the product, but is what's the risk? Well, I'm I mean, confused.
1: My argument is this, right? Like, all of the things that you mentioned are pretty freaking easy tweaks to make. Right. If Gensler and the SEC, if they had a problem, like this product has existed for a very, very long time. Right. And suddenly now the SEC is giving it the ban hammer. Why mm-hmm. not just have a conversation with Kraken? I mean, they right. could have done something like tighter mandates around proof of reserves which right. I think the entire industry uh, supports with respect to staking more, more transparency into where the funds are going. Like, like lots of detail there. That this could, could have be been a productive conversation. Yeah. But, it, but it wasn't, they could have also said something about decentralized staking options and, and right. maybe that being another path. But instead we just got the Gary G Banhammer, Banhammer smacked yeah. across our head. And by the way, Kraken uh, in the EU, they're still offering mm-hmm. staking services, of course. Yep. Because this is only for U.S. citizens. your so crack
0: and is still up and running totally fine except for U.S. citizens.
1: Yeah, oh, but, but why is this being banned in the U.S. then? I mean, like, maybe because Gary Gensler wants to trap us in his financial yeah, prison. Exactly, because of Bear. I So I don't understand exactly why they went with the approach of uh, pay us $30 million and, you know, there's no remediation around and this. shut you down, just, down your service. Just yeah. shut Pay it down. us money and shut down your service, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's absolutely, like, it's almost like extortion. I'm, like... It's um it's brutal the way that this is playing right. out. Now, our friend Commissioner Hester Purse had something to say about it. So, of course, she dissented. Is this like the The second week in a row, we've talked about one of Hester Peirce's dissents, because I think we have two dissents, Hester Peirce's dissents, in today's agenda. But this is the first one on the SEC Kraken shutdown. What does she say? Uh, I'm going to skip to my favorite quote. Uh, Hester Peirce says, a paternalistic and lazy
0: regulator settles (laughs) on a solution like the one in this settlement. Do not initiate a public Uh. process to develop a workable registration process that provides valuable information to investors just they just shut it down the sec just shut it down like it's i have to you have to give a tip of the hat to Hester purse who's operating inside yes. of an agency that is not doing things that are aligned with what she personally believes yet she's still
1: there fighting the fight that she believes in like that's hard Ca- calling the agency that she works in a paternalistic and lazy <laughs> regulator <laughs> That no, is I mean, badass, She's basically man.
0: calling her boss. they like, uh, Gary Gensler's not her boss.
1: I guess not, But right? he's That's like in the bigger chair
0: better. and she's calling him a
1: paternalistic and lazy regulator. I am so impressed. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm just so it's, impressed by it's this. It's awesome. Like, it is incredible. Um, and look, she—it's not, it's not just the words she's using, which are impressive, but like she's raising lots of substance here. We've known mm. about crypto staking programs for a long time. Um, she also says, although it may not have made a difference in this case, I should have called for us to put out guidance on staking long before now. This is what a leader does too: is is take some accountability in mm-hmm. this. Like it's just so refreshing. And right. uh, look, this is this is a model for how all regulators should approach this space and approach their jobs in general. I'm told we say first principles too often on the podcast. We, we do, not do not say first principle. You cannot it. say the word first principles. Too this often is words. a first principles regulator. I'm going to yes. say it. Yes. She's doing her job right here and it's incredible <laughs> to watch in the in the, in the contrast of those that aren't doing their job. Yeah. Uh this is also coming out. So Hester's not the only person who's identified
0: this. Uh this is Representative Bill Huzienga pretty sick last Huzanga. name, Huzanga, yeah. uh, who tweets out, since Gary Gensler won't abide by his own policies to quote, come in and talk, the House GOP will hold him accountable. Today, as promised, our oversight of the SEC begins with a request for documents surrounding their interactions with SBF, FTX, and the Justice Department, kind of adjacent to the topic at hand being uh, staking, but uh, definitely relevant to the topic of what the hell is Gary's deal.
1: Uh, and so I guess maybe this Kraken made the mistake of not like bribing the right people, not <laughs> scratching Gary Gensler's back enough. I mean, is yeah. that the contrast here? Like I, maybe Jesse Powell should have, um, been sucking up to Gary a bit more and he wouldn't be in this position. Uh, is that yeah. what this implication is? It's like you mean Jesse Powell should have succumbed to SEC extortion. Um, well, this is this is kind of what it feels like because we know already that Chairman um, Gensler was meeting behind closed doors with FTX, had a very cozy relationship times. with them multiple times. These meetings are on, on public record. Right. Uh, didn't try to shut down any. Like Kraken has been servicing this industry for a very long time, number of years, right. twelve years. Gary was meeting with somebody and an entire exchange. That was was 29 years old (laughs) stealing billions of dollars from depositors SBF was 17 when the time jesse powell created kraken i just it's stupid david and um yeah I'm, i'm glad that somebody in government hopefully this is more than talk is is trying to hold some accountability for for what's going on here so that is not the only voice of dissent as well here's another one david what are we looking at this is uh, Brian Armstrong tweets out: Coinbase's staking secu- services
0: are not securities. We will have to happily defend this in court if needed. Translation: Come at me, bro. Uh, for, that Brian says to the SEC. <laughs> well, it, uh, how come how come Coinbase uh, gets a pass right now and Kraken doesn't? Right. So Coinbase d- does less things with their staking product than Kraken did. So like I said, Kraken used economies of scale to finesse some extra cool features about the product to bolster the value of the product. Coinbase is doing a much more bare-bones simplified, we stake your Ether and then we pass you back the yield that you get. Uh And so it's just much more simple. And so there's less... um there's less like uh they're touching the product less and they're just passing along the stake. Uh, and so because it's more simplified and there's less like agency that Coinbase
1: is putting into the service. Then Gensler had more of an argument, basically. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And yeah. Kraken, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, decided to settle rather than right. fight this in court. Right. Yeah. Um, but Brian here implying that they're happy, happy, happy to fight this in court.
2: Mm hmm hmm.
1: This is
0: a tweet from Jason Gottlieb, who says, I find the SEC's all crypto projects have to do is come in and register line unbelievably insulting it assumes that there's this vast quantity of sophisticated securities lawyers advising their clients nah man screw the sec yolo baby do whatever you want uh which is a really good take crypto has some fantastic lawyers and all of them uh, implying that the fact that judging by the fact that none of these projects really come in to talk to the sec that whole line out of gary genser is like just come in and talk to us it's a trap it's a, well, it's a trap, but it's also, I think the SEC doing propaganda to the rest of the non-crypto yeah. world saying like, Hey, like, are you confused about the crypto world? Uh, we just want them to come in and talk David, to us. That's, and that's, then like the average American is like, Oh, those crypto lawyers are so naughty
1: when that's not at all what's true. That's what the office hours with Gary influencer video right. was about. That's why he right. spelled out steak and thought it was like really funny and it's not neat. Haha. <laughs> 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 it's actually like staking your asset and like right. he wasn't talking to anyone in crypto we all know no, this
0: he's not talking to us he was talking. Talking. that's why that, we always are like You're always lying like but gary come on bankless he's not coming on bankless dude like but he yeah. doesn't want to talk to us but, but seriously gary come on Bankless. but seriously gary come on bankless
1: <laughs> i've at, like we've asked him i don't know how many times and uh, uh yeah a handful of times he yeah. doesn't care to interface with us there he is with and it's not his just us own agenda it's like but people are listening and be like but that's because you guys talk smack about gary all the time it's like first it's not wrong. if he ever came on <laughs> We would be very cordial. We have never, ever been antagonist to a guest ever, nor would we. No, we would uh, love to talk to you. I think it would be a productive conversation. We're not going to sit here and kind of like uh, get you in gotchas, that sort of thing. That's not what Um, we do. That's not what we do. And then secondly, um, he won't come on any crypto podcast whatsoever. He won't even talk to the crypto community. The closest he comes is like the CNBC TradFi type space. So I don't know why he won't just collaborate, like, have a conversation with us. We're not shadowy super coders like Elizabeth Warren told you.
0: <laughs> Which brings us to this Miles Jennings tweet, who is the counsel over at A16Z. So, perfect leeway into this. Uh, Miles tweets out, it has now been four years since the last crypto-related guidance from the SEC, <laughs> oh. whose chairman continues to focus on headlines rather than a legitimate effort to protect investors in accordance with the SEC's core mission. Four years since the SEC has given crypto any sort of guidance and only enforcement actions. So, like... We know he doesn't care to talk to us. It's been four years since
1: he's given us any guidance. Yeah. All we've been asking for the entire time is clarity.
0: Guidance.
1: Clarity. Do your your job. Instead, it's regulation via enforcement. Um, Okay. Here's a a flip on this, though. It's a lot of what I've heard this week uh, when we were talking about this. But, David, Ryan, isn't this good for decentralized staking? Uh, So, basically gary and and others regulators coming after the centralized exchanges and saying no that shall not stake well doesn't all of this staking liquidity go to decentralized staking providers um i have a take on this what's your take though
0: well i think you we can look at the market and agree that the market totally agrees with that take because both rp rpl is at all-time highs in ether terms almost all-time highs in dollar terms lido is at a very strong price performance so the market agrees with that take
1: Here's the thing I would say to everyone arguing that, and I agree with elements of that too. We have no confidence that Gary Gensler isn't going to come for decentralized staking protocols next. Whatever he wants. R-eth. He is trying to increase his scope yeah. of influence. Yeah, ETH. Is that a security? Yeah. Under Gensler's regime, who knows? That is Pool's right. staked ETH. We'd call it a derivative, but it's a, a token, staking token. Mm-hmm. Um, S ETH. Is that, is that a security? I mean, there are all sorts of ways he could begin Where's to... Where's the line? Yeah. I'm sure everyone is like, no, of course not. Are you sure this that... This man has Denver no line. ...with you? This man has no line. <laughs> he will go as far as we let him. Right. And so th- that's why we have to um, try to stop it at every opportunity so it doesn't encroach into decentralized staking as well. Now, mm. it has to be a bridge too far for him to try to outlaw validating in your own freaking home. Right. Uh, it seems like that could be fought in court, but... Uh, who knows? Um, that that wasn't the only SEC action this week, though. What's this, David? No, uh, crypto firm Paxos, which issues used stablecoins, uh, is to face SEC
0: charges about the BUSD, the Binance stablecoin. Now, the relationship between uh, Paxos and Binance is interesting. Paxos is kind of like this white label service. So BUSD Binance dollar is offered and minted by and managed by Paxos. Uh so it's kind of like putting the Binance brand on a Paxos stablecoin and there's like synergies there. It's kind of uh, it's but- kind of like Binance wants an American bank to help them with this, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the SEC has ordered, uh, Paxos to stop issuing Binance, uh, US dollar. And the regulator cited that, uh, it is as a result of unresolved issues relating to Paxos' oversight of its relationship with Binance. So I think if you read between the lines here, um, the regulators believe that BUSD and Binance are doing illicit things that they don't like, perhaps money laundering, wash trading, like a bunch of illicit stuff that, that probably offends them. And so they're going after Paxos, who Issuing BUSC and say, "Hey, stop doing that." Uh, the SEC is bringing a lawsuit to Paxos
1: as a result of this. David, I don't understand why this is in the scope of the SEC at all.
0: Yeah, well, so this is this is all about like the whole coordinated effort, right? And so. The, it, again, if you read between the lines, we have, uh, new, the New York Financial Services, uh, like, uh, regulatory body, Department of Financial Services, excuse me, the SEC, uh, we have Treasury, like every, like all of these, I'm guessing all of these agencies are like, you know, in whatever communication channels that they have with each other, and they're like, hey, we want that to end. SEC, go, you go you after Paxos. What can make make you it do? it hard for him. Say, Make it you know, like, yeah, like go get them. Uh, and, <laughs> and so like this is like the government acting as kind of a monolith, which they don't usually do in order to like, uh, you're coordinating. Get, yeah, they're the coordinating. They? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting to me that they're picking on Binance in this way. I think yeah. now they're, they're picking on Binance through Paxos, but it's really, you could tell this is kind of targeted at Binance. I think it's harder for them to come at like, coinbase usdc mm-hmm. but do you think they could be coming after circle and the usdc product next i i, I don't think that there's a line there's i don't no think line. there's a
0: line there is no line
1: uh, and so david there's, they're not banning busd just paxos is no longer able to issue new yes. supply of busd so it's basically going into legacy mode and the, is paxos, so the supply of busd is down only is, is paxos going to fight this do they have a way to fight this
0: I don't know, man. I don't. I don't think I haven't heard anything like that. I don't know if they intend to fight it or not.
1: It's a Wells notice. It's really hard to fight the government, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yes. One other byproduct of this uh, is an article in Bloomberg that PayPal is pausing stablecoin work amid the regulatory scrutiny. Remember all that good news of of PayPal and Venmo doing like right. a stablecoin adoption? Well, they've had to pause. One of their partners was actually Paxos right. for uh, the stablecoin product, and they're like, "Well, now what do we do?" We well, they got scared.
0: Before th- they got scared, yeah. and this is this is like a success indicator for the SEC and all
1: of those like regulators that don't want. They're crypto. slowing it down. They're
0: like, oh yeah, well, this is what we wanted. Yeah, right? this is a positive second order effect for them.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, you know, some crypto people are like, well, regulators don't matter, and like we'll be fine without them, and none of this you mean matters. Crypto anarchists, I, you mean? I agree that's true over the long run, right? But over the short yeah, run, they fight. do have the ability to slow it down. Yeah. Just slow adoption velocity, specifically in the jurisdiction where they have some power. And, and it looks like that's what they're doing, unfortunately, mm-hmm. with with um, PayPal. So, David, question of how do we fight this? There's all sorts of ways for people to get involved. Uh, one of which is we depend on, actually, people with some power mm-hmm. uh, to go to Washington and fight the fight. Not the way that Sam Bankman-Fried did with bribing all <laughs> the politicians, at least. I, I hope that's not the case. Um, what's this a picture of? What are we looking at?
0: And this is just Brian Armstrong and what I'm assuming is the Coinbase legal team, perhaps some others as well. Uh, they were in Was- – they're in Washington, D.C. fighting this fight. Uh, and so th- this is just the way that regu- uh, regulation and innovation and technology works uh, – new technology offends the status quo uh tries to get regulated then these representatives who are aligned with the technology come and fight for it and so brian armstrong and other lawyers at coinbase are in washington dc doing the trench warfare of fighting this stuff case by case by case so thank you for everyone who's in washington dc fighting that fight it's really you
1: got to put your suit on if you want to do that well I, I ever see you um in front of congress david i would in put a suit
0: on a, i would put on a suit
1: <laughs> if, if i was called
0: upon to do it i would put on a suit and i'd go do it look that was only but thankfully s- i can just sit at home and
1: talk about it that was only the second uh, smack across the face this week from yeah. the sec uh, there's a third too and this was even more recent there's an sec proposal that could bar investment advisors from keeping assets at crypto firms this is registered investment advisors who would have no ability to essentially custody the their assets and so if you want to give quote-unquote real financial advice remember everything on bank lists is just for entertainment purposes we do not give fi- financial advice around here we are not registered investment advisors we'll never pretend to be but if you are a registered investment advisor well gary has just made it a bit more difficult to uh, keep assets on behalf of your clients at crypto firms uh, he's also what, made what a, a another influencer video to no help way explain Did it really? to you
0: yeah uh-huh yeah. Ah,
2: oh, uh, Gary's yeah,
1: playing. it. let's watch it, dude. Are we watching this one, too? Oh, yeah, Where's we're it? watching this okay, one. here we go.
2: What is a qualified custodian? I don't know, Gary. And what does it have to do with the securities I don't know. Laws? Tell
0: me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: I'm so excited to hear about this.
2: A qualified custodian. No, no, not groundskeeper Willie from the uh, Simpsons. Oh, hilarious. that's what I was thinking. Kind <laughs> of custody. I can't watch anymore, dude. Oh my
0: dude. god, dude. Okay, so like okay, what is the, what is the net effect of this? Um and so actually uh, this is something I hear out of Matt Walsh from uh the uh on the Brink podcast. His take is that exchanges in the future, will not also be the custodians of their customers' deposits because that's how it's structured already in trad world. So this to is actually a take that off. Kind of this thing? is a take I've heard before. Is yeah. So like exchanges will just do exchanging stuff, mm-hmm. and then they will have a third party service provider to do the custodian stuff. So separation like, like of that, like keeping the private
1: keys, somebody else does. Yes, that? exactly. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting that he would say that. I think that's true, but that's not necessarily true for bearer assets, is it? You ever go to yes. like old banks and they have these ginormous bank vaults where like they keep safe deposit boxes and that sort of thing mm-hmm. and previously they'd kept other valuables like actual cash money and gold and that kind of thing right but
0: they but those banks aren't also doing facilitating the swapping and exchanging and trading of those things though uh, okay. and so it's the combination of the exchange and the custodian that I think is what is being targeted here so a quote from Gary here rather than properly segregating investors crypto these platforms have co-mingled the, those assets with their own crypto or others investors crypto this is how Coinbase cra- I'm assuming crack and I, all of these exchanges work is like binance too when you send them your ether they spin up a temporary address so you deposit your like ether into that temporary address and then that temporary address forwards it off to like coinbase cold storage or Mm -hmm. whatever and that's commingled with everyone's deposits they just mark on their ledger that this one person sent us this amount of ether but then everything does get commingled uh and so the the gary gensler claim is that when these platforms go bankrupt something that we've seen time and time again recently FTX is what they're going after, what they're setting. Investors' assets often become the property of the failed company, leaving investors in line at the bankruptcy court. Um, So you can see the logic. Also, is this what the SEC is for? How is this related to securities, though? Uh, that's a good question.
1: Yeah, David. So so here's really the problem is Gary Gensler is trying to completely delegitimize this asset class for mm-hmm. in registered investment advisors, which again, okay. provide the bulk of financial advice to uh, Americans in the US. And here's a quote from an article we've read about this. If the agency, that is the SEC, is trying to force advisors to go to banks with their clients' crypto assets, so they can only go to banks uh, rather than exchanges with clients' crypto assets. And the bank regulators are cautioning banks against crypto activity. Is it making oh, crypto investing impossible right. through the advisors? Yes, of course. This right. is the operation choke point. This is how it gets. Right. So Gary is okay, coming I in. This. And it's like it, they're, they're sort of encircling the, you know, right. the crypto movement. And so he's going in and he's being like, ah, here, here's a weak point. Registered investment advisors. You know what we'll do? We'll just make it so that they can't keep clients' funds on crypto exchanges. They have to go to banks. Yeah, and then over here, you guys over here, like, um, OCC or whoever else, like make it really difficult. For the banks to actually work with crypto because it's a super risky asset, we've seen that in the recent months. So you right. sort of encircle the industry and like uh-huh. squeeze it off, like choke it out slowly over time. Right. That's, so this that's is the, this is
0: the intergovernmental agency coordination. The SEC yes. is pushing all registered investment advisors to like don't store your crypto asset with bank uh, with exchanges. It has to be crypto native exchanges. Yep. the exchanges like Kraken and Coinbase, etc. Yeah, the people that are aligned with the crypto industry. Instead, you have to store your crypto assets with banks. and maybe in silo you can accept that maybe but then on the other side of things you have all of the other banking regulators who are
1: saying Uh, hey banks you can't store crypto assets that's the play right okay here's the thing here's why it's so stupid and short-sighted so if that's the game that's cool guess what happens people completely yes and it completely delegitimizes not only the sec we said that before but registered investment advisors Mm. It eliminates mm. them from being able to they talk about even, an entire right. asset class. So if I'm a millennial, and by the way, did you know that for millennial millionaires, the vast, like a lot of them, a majority of them actually own 50% or greater of their assets in crypto. Like, that's a stat I read recently. Um, I'll have to pull up the source for that. Um, it's like you are making it so that a registered investment advisor can actually help you with this entire crypto asset wealth. class called crypto called yeah. crypto assets, which is like the biggest, most wealth generating, highest potential growth asset class on the planet. So what do you do? You just completely neuter registered investment advisors. Like, why well, work with a registered investment advisor if they can't even t- talk about crypto? You don't have an right. incentive here. So that's the byproduct of this. And of course, our friend Hester Purse wrote another statement about this, or uh, we what we might call a dissent on this as well. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. Um, I think this take from Jake Chervinsky really uh, takes it home for us, David, on all of the actions from the SEC over the past week. Do you want to read this out? Yeah. Jake says, this proposal would flagrantly
0: violate the SEC's mission by making investors less safe and by discouraging capital formation. It wouldn't directly affect investments in crypto companies since it only targets digital assets, not company equity. That's a small comfort, though, since it would cover many non-securities that the SEC shouldn't regulate. So this is just Jake saying this is a huge overstep by the SEC, which we already know. David, what are we looking at here? We got here? some memes. We got some memes. We are 55 minutes into this roll-up, and we've talked about one subject matter beyond markets. So we're going to end this with meme and move on. Uh, here's the SEC protecting us, protecting a sleeping child from Kraken. Meanwhile, Celsius, Terra Luna, FTX whatever a oh, voyager is just raining bullets down on the sleeping child again nice job this is, uh, i love this meme format this is the dog that wants you to play fetch with it but it won't uh, give you the ball <laughs> at the same time so the dog the dog is please comply and then you reach for the ball and the dog goes no regulatory guidance only compliance
1: <laughs> <laughs> i love this meme format yeah <laughs> it's so good uh david all right on to brighter subjects uh, blur mm-hmm. did an airdrop this week how much did people make how did it go do you have any details for us
0: yeah. So trading, the trading price of Blur at the time of recording, it's moving around a lot, but is something like two to two and a half billion dollars on day one of the Blur drop. Uh, 12%. Yeah. So at one dollar, what is that fully diluted market cap? Three billion dollars Blur. What is Blur, by the way? It is a tokenized, uh, attempt at the, a decentralized version of OpenSea, basically. It is a NFT trading platform that's optimized for NFT traders people who are doing the speculation, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so it is um, uh, just a new tokenized NFT trading platform, $3 billion market cap. Uh, 12% of the total supply was airdropped to blur people who went through the gamut of uh, qualifying for the airdrop. Interesting choice to make the airdrop uh, qualification criteria explicit. They tried to make a non-gameable uh, mechanism for airdropping the token. Uh, so that means that they gave away 250 to 300 million dollars of airdrop to their to uh their uh i can't remember the number of uh, individuals that i got the the token is quite a lot uh but pretty successful token airdrop uh i would say i did a show with them I did a show with pac-man this is an anon team uh so if you are looking to learn about a blur and the details of the airdrop there we already did a show with them if you are looking to uh, learn more
1: there's also, of course, you can go to earnify, which is earn.fi and get alerts when airdrops mm-hmm. like this of are course. happening. Just type your Don't eth address, email address. You won't miss an airdrop. David, we got a lot more coming up. What's, what's happening?
0: Coming up next, Polygon's ZKEVM mainnet is set to launch in March. Are they going to beat ZK Sync's ZKEVM, which is also announced this week? Coincidence that happened on the same week? I don't know, but at least the ZKEVM wars are heating up. We gotta love that. Uh, SBF's, uh, people that, pay, whoever paid for SBF's bail money, well, we know who they are. Uh, so we're gonna talk about that. SC, uh, Celsius issues a recovery plan. You're gonna get your money back, Ryan. Maybe. Uh, and three weeks later, ordinals are still a thing more alive than ever. But first, before we get to all of that super hot stuff, I want to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. And we are back. Ryan, you know what has set new lows recently is non-OFAC compliant blocks on Ethereum. Wow. Uh, this was uh, once upon a time a big concern. Uh, you and I were never really concerned about this because uh, basically because of the layer zero of Ethereum. Why is there an increase of non-OFAC compliant blocks on Ethereum? Uh, because there is a culture of censorship resistance built into the layer zero around Ethereum. I was never really in doubt that this was going to happen. But the ratio between non-OFAC it's compliant huge. blocks to OFAC-compliant blocks is up only. Uh, so Ethereum increasingly ignoring uh, OFAC-compliance, which is tight. Uh, that as the continues protocol to, should, as, as the, the protocol, protocol level. Should. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, I, I saw this uh, graphic. I thought this was pretty cool. This is cool. so cool. This is an illustration of how a block is built. So on the left, you have uh, block builders, on the middle, you have block relayers. I and then this. on the right, you have stakers, people who yeah. are actually proposing blocks, block stakers. There's Celsius over there. What? <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, and so uh, it's just a pretty cool distribution of all of the supply chain of how you make a block uh, this was the topic of a podcast topic that we had with Matt Cutler uh, and so this is now we knew this was before we had that podcast before this was even a thing because Matt knew that this was coming uh, and so bankless listeners got to front run okay so all of this. so
1: on the left is what is that's block builders block builders, and in the middle is relayers, relayers. Said? yeah relayers okay and then on the right are some of the big staking providers exactly and you would be on the right as well if you're running if you're your an own individual own, like, staker yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's just maybe not depicted here it, the, it know, might den- also be the gaps between to, between the yeah, it's just not depicted. Ah, very cool. Look at the yeah. flows here. Yeah. Um, and ultrasound is an up-and-coming that is right. that is um, that's an up-and-coming relayer. And that is um,
0: ultrasound.money, and it's yeah. also OFAC non-compliant. Not OFAC compliant, yeah.
1: Or yeah. OFAC non-compliant. I don't know. I that's love f- the words compliance. non-compliance. Uh let's talk about ZK, okay? Because the ZK wars are heating up. This is a tweet from Halo. Did you know, David? It's official. The Polygon ZK EVM mainnet will be launched on March 27th. After more than a year of intense and inspiring research, development, and testing, we're incredibly proud to launch the first ever ZK EVM mainnet. A lot of people claimed first. Everyone wants you to know that they have the first ever ZK EVM. Well, who knows? Who's going <laughs> to be first? I don't know who officially gets that title, but Polygon has a date here of March 27th, so that seems pretty uh, compelling. Um, A few things, like when people say that their thing is going to mainnet, it's always a question of like, well, what is actually going to mainnet? Are you like mainnetting a testnet version? Is that what you mean by mainnet? Or is it sort of a half version? Um, I believe this is indeed mainnet as defined by real assets and real users and open to everyone. So there you go. There's lots of other technical stats uh, behind this. And um, for me, I can't wait to, to use something like this the day it comes out. So Mm -hmm. uh, stay tuned Bankless Nation for more ZK EVM content so we can explore this new world. But David, they are not the only ones Mm -mm. that are getting close to mainnet. Um, This is ZK ZK Sync. ZK Sync, yeah. Also
0: announcing the ZK Sync era main net. Uh, so for bankless listeners that don't know, there's actually two ZK Syncs. There's ZK Sync 1.0, which was the very, very early implementation of a ZK roll-up, which just did token transfers and payments. And then ZK Sync 2.0 came around uh, and that was launched. A ZK EVM was launched on Ethereum months ago, except it was closed to only the ZK Sync protocol dev, so they could only be the ones to stress test this thing. Uh, they would shut down the network, restart like do a, a operating system upgrade basically restart it and so they claimed back then first except it was closed uh and so like like everyone's claiming first over and over and over again uh but this is the same thing as the polygon announcement where the zk evm is open to builders and so they are doing a uh where they're calling a fair onboarding uh so teams can sign up to get onboarded onto the zk sync era to start building the rides for users, right? Exactly, yeah. And so that, uh, I've talked to the ZK Sync team, six to eight weeks of that, of this fair onboarding time period where everyone gets to have peace and quiet while they build their applications, and that starts today. Uh, that started today, Thursday. So yesterday for the time of listeners. So six to eight weeks later-ish, give or take, whenever the protocol devs of ZK Sync say that it's ready and secure, they will open it up to true, actual, real mainnet for everyone else to come. Uh, but we have this fair onboarding period where projects can deploy and test their dApps on ZK Sync era. Uh, also has token bridges. Um, and they are also going through uh, finishing up their security audits you know what, uh, if, as
1: well. If one of them technically beats the other to mainnet, it's only going to be by a few weeks. Yeah, And that's what's so matter. great about this. It doesn't just, matter. <laughs> but I love the fact that everyone's competing and that this right. is a race. Um, now, mm-hmm. got to make sure you get security right. Obviously, this yes. is some new, more complicated mm-hmm. technology. So that's something we won't be able to know until after the fact. Um, but uh, yeah, it's exciting to see for sure. I should mention too, both David and I are oh, yeah. advisors for Matter Labs uh, ZK Sync and also I'm an advisor for Polygon. We love and support the ZK EVM ecosystem for sure. Um, mm-hmm. We also own some ETH, David. Disclose that. <sighs> I don't think we need to disclose that. Tornado Cash developer to stay in jail as the Dutch trial continues. This is cool. Alexei Pertsev. We talked about him so often when this happened in August earlier this year. This is just a heartbreaking title um, for the story. And it's like this guy has been in jail for developing open source code. Um, As far as we know, more serious charges have not been put forward. He put open, uh, he helped develop tornado cash, which is OFAC sanctioned. And now he's in jail for it. And uh, there's a trial going on. So hopefully this is not permanent, But the fact that he's been in jail for, I don't know, how long is this, David? Six months? months? Like
0: almost a half a year now. What? So I, I know you said like this is a disheartening title. So let me run this by you. Persev's lawyer said that they had a good beginning in educating the court about how decentralized finance works. The lawyer quoted said, we had the opportunity to explain what the basis is for Tornado Cash and why it is not money laundering. It is our opinion that the lack of knowledge is what's keeping him here. Dutch public prosecutors allege that Persev, rather than merely publishing code, said that uh, he accepted, uh, accepted piles of suspicious cash without question. So there are... Two very different realities being uh, talked about we here. We will see. Yeah, we will see. Uh, and so like, is this such a misunderstanding? And like, we have to just educate that tornado cash is, Oops. is what it is. You went to
1: jail for six months because we didn't know about DeFi. Really. Sorry. Or
0: that- was Pertsev actually helping money laundering? Maybe there's much more to the story that we don't know.
1: We'll find out. Yes, it's true we'll that we out. don't have all of the evidence, um, but the serious charges haven't been late i guess that's what the court case is for um one other thing i'll say is look at the contrast alexei Pertsev is in jail and not able to be released on bail yeah. who's out on bail david oh uh this guy named spf who's on a, <laughs> out on bail on like something like a quarter billion
2: dollars or something
0: <laughs> the, like it's so crazy, the contrast here. Before we get to that, though, uh, Cosmo de Medici, who's, of course, known as being Snoop Dogg's Twitter account for the NFT world, 22 work pieces of works, NFTs from the Cosmo de Medici collection has been added to the permanent collection of the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, the first donation of on-chain art from a collector to a museum, and also the largest digital art collection to ever enter a museum.
1: Uh, cool. It's That's just on a- loan, right? That's what collectors do? You just loan it to a museum? I'm, I'm assuming, so yeah. I it to uh, them in yeah. this case.
0: So, or, more NFT stuff. Ordinals, getting into the ordinal section. Uh, ordinal is, or ordinals are up only. We are almost, Ryan, passing one million dollars in transaction fees paid to Bitcoin miners from inscribing ordinals. We have passed over a hundred thousand ordinals inscripted into Bitcoin. So there's wow. over a hundred thousand NFTs. On Bitcoin, which but it's is so cool. cool. You can
1: have Dune boards about Bitcoin. I'm not used to right? seeing Dune boards on Bitcoin and Ordinals. Uh, so people uh, know are basically NFTs on on Bitcoin. Yep. Uh, are these being sold on like OpenSea and other marketplaces? Yeah, dude. They <laughs> that's are. That's crazy. Well, when they are sold on OpenSea,
0: they're actually sold as like a wrapped ordinal on Ethereum, which is kind of oh. hard. It's, 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 this is, this getting cool. very, very, it's cause Bitcoin doesn't have like on-chain infrastructure to support some of this stuff. So like yeah. the people were like trading OTC, uh, like OTC ordinals with each other through this like public Google sheet. It's like all a mess.
1: Oh, see guys, it's still a TI-83 they're, calculator. They're trying, I mean, they're trying yeah. their best. Well, Anyways, cool. Bitcoin cute.
0: punks are a brand new NFT collection on Bitcoin. Uh, somebody bought a, a, a Bitcoin CryptoPunk, which are like much like the CryptoPunks that you all know, except with some mutations, some some changes to make them unique. Um, one one Bitcoin Punk was sold for nine point five bitcoins, dude.
2: Wow!
1: <laughs> it's funny that they're following in the footsteps of uh, Ethereum. Yeah, right? well, like,
0: don't don't tell the Bitcoiners that they this won't is that. Uh,
1: like CryptoPunks, but for Bitcoin. You know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm hopeful that the NFT community in Bitcoin starts to establish its own independent culture as well. Are we starting to see any of that? I think, yeah, I think so. So yeah, there is now a, like I said, a couple of rollups ago, like ordinals
0: are a place for different flavors of Bitcoiners other than the fundamentalist, like extremist camp to latch onto and use Bitcoin in a way that's not necessarily aligned with like the maximalist flavor of Bitcoiners. So now there's like different, we can actually talk about different flavors of Bitcoiners
1: with more like fidelity, which is great. Well here's something that you'll never see on Ethereum, and that is the constitution of El Salvador being minted as an ordinal NFT. So that just happened. The reason you'll never see it on Ethereum, David, is uh Bukele right. is a, a notorious Bitcoin yeah. I Maximalist, I would say. Yes, yeah, like he's more a than a laser laser eyed maxi for sure. Laser eyed maximalist, and apparently they uh are cool with blocks mm-hmm. having NFT data in, in them, at least Bukele is, and yeah. so minted the El Salvador's constitution here.
0: Yeah, this definitely ruffled some feathers. So here's Did a it? quote from President uh, Nayib Bukele. Someday, Bitcoin will host a distinct global culture that will rival Ethereum. We think that that culture should be El Salvadoran. Michael Saylor responded, this isn't how Bitcoin oh, should no. be used. There was infighting? We Are don't like me? NFTs or smart contracts or any of this artsy-fartsy stuff. Bitcoin is a currency <laughs> the citizens of the world need to quit finding artistic <gasps> and profitable ways to use our blockchain. They can take oh, that no. nonsense somewhere Trouble else.
1: Trouble in maximalist paradise. You're okay. using the blocks wrong, Boot Kelly. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, uh, that was take a rug. your take that your, your finance your nonsense somewhere else. That's what he said. <laughs> is it fair for us to just like put words
0: in other people's mouths under the uh, the the vibe of the rug? So this wait, is a wait. rug.
1: No, that was a rug again. Yeah. Oh, I got rugged. Yes! Dude, I didn't even look yes! up. Yes, I got rugged. That was a rug. I <laughs> got rugged so hard. <laughs> Ah I love the fact that you this open up so these links and you don't even know. I didn't even look. This is so dumb. I th- <laughs> Oh my god. You 100 percent believe me. I it? was that was even more than the li I got rugged harder than you the got last rugged time. So hard. So ah. so the when the I was, rug t- you know what I was gonna ask you when mm-hmm. we got to the end of um our agenda when we were talking about things? Yeah. It's like, oh you didn't put in a rug link. There must not have been anything good this week. <laughs>
2: can't believe and
0: So when, this. when the the RUG team passed this link to me, I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And so I, I pass it to Chrissy, who makes the agenda, and I'm like, all right, sneak this one in here in a way that doesn't <laughs> like trigger Ryan and see if he can just get into
1: it. Okay, okay, so
0: reset. None of that happened. None of that happened, no. So Michael this Saylor's is the rug. quotes, it's all wrong. This is the third, the third RUG that we've uh. put into the weekly roll-up. Is it, what Is is the RUG? The RUG.mirror.xyz. Dot dot it is the onion of crypto. Uh, last week, I was not able to RUG Ryan, but the week before I was, it's and the fact navigating. that I was actually able to RUG Ryan at the so second time is awesome. Last time. Uh, so nice job, rug team. Uh, the, again, the onion of crypto. You can collect this rug. I mm-hmm. thought that only the first rug ever would be the rug that rugged Ryan because I thought he would learn, but I guess AIs don't this learn. Is so
1: stupid. Um, yeah, I so
0: can't if believe it's the same website every
1: time, dude. I'm going I'm gonna message. We can get him to clip this uh, from, the, from the I'm final. the
0: one with the recording. <laughs> oh, man.
1: <laughs> All right. Ryan All right. got rugged. All right. Ignore, so ignore that happened, guys. Uh, like happened that, two,
0: two marks. Two rugs for Ryan. Mm-hmm. All right. Moving on. FTX founder Sam Bigman frieds two bond guarantors unsealed, both with ties to Stanford. Uh, and so the names of who paid for SPF's bail money has now been released. That was a big uh, question. These, these so people who? are Larry Kramer, the president of the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, And Dean Emeritus, Emeritus, how do you pronounce that name? Dean Emeritus at Stanford Law and Andreas Pekepe, God, these names, a senior research scientist also at Stanford. Uh, Why Stanford? Well, that's because that's where Bankman-Fried's parents, Joe and Barbara, are their faculty at Stanford and close friends with these people. Uh, I mean, 250 million dollars in bond money is a lot of bond, a lot of money. That's scary. I have a lot of respect for Stanford professors, but they don't make that kind of money. I'm guessing that the parents are just like, "Hey, guys, help support our child." And Pay for some of the bond money. Also, here's some money to do that. I'm guessing that's how that happened.
1: That's gross, and definitely um, selling the name of the, the Stanford name, um, bringing it down with them. Yeah, uh, my mom went to Stanford, and now I feel like this is personal, even though I didn't even go to Stanford. <laughs> don't, don't be, don't be angry at your mom, though. It wasn't her fault, David. It wasn't. Like, yeah, my mom would have done that. Um, <laughs> Celsius. Okay, is there some good news for us? Uh, yes.
0: So Celsius, there is a new plan. A new plan to. Uh, resolve all of the uh, debt that Celsius owes. So TLD of this plan, small customers, small creditors to Celsius, uh, people that have less than $5,000 are getting about 70 cents on the dollar in cash back, um, which is a lot of, that's most people that's more than 50%. Uh, other customers with bigger balances, it's kind of hard to hard to tell, 30 to 40% in cash uh of you're getting cash back. You also are getting equity in this new company that is being spun out of uh, celsius that someone else plans to manage uh, not so alex getting, Mashinsky. not alex Mashinsky. zero oh, okay. founders and so a brand new company is being built to out of the the decimation of celsius uh and customers with bigger account balances and five thousand dollars are getting equity in this new company
1: um and so that is that i mean i guess could have been worse right um 30, yeah. 40% is better than 0%. For those with yeah. 5k or less, they get 70%, uh, potentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's all okay. I, am guessing the people with a lot of money in Celsius are not too pleased about this no. because they're, you know, maybe that's unfair from their perspective. No. But look, man, it's higher than like the 10 or 20% I was mentally thinking. So yeah. that's something. Is, that's something. They're also doing clawbacks too, clawbacks. which is nice to yes. see.
0: Yeah, so Alex Mashinsky, uh, a bunch of basically uh, Celsius insiders uh, are asked or being asked to return the money, and also it at one point will not become a, a request. Can they like and seize their property demand. and stuff? Like how deep does this go? Oh, how yeah. deep
1: does a clawback go? Like, can you pierce the um, the that shield is, of? That is up to a lawyer, a court to decide. Jeez.
0: But we all know that both Christine Mihan Mashinsky, or I'm assuming it's Alexander Mashinsky's wife, uh, also, uh, like, we all know that Alex Mashinsky withdrew millions and millions of dollars yep. from Celsius right before it
1: got frozen. Yeah. Uh, so this is cool, David. On, uh, yeah. Shopify has integrated with sign in with Ethereum. Shopify has been a huge supporter of crypto yeah. on kind of the, the cutting edge here. So this means you can now log in with Ethereum using the best wallet on the planet. MetaMask. Most used, most popular. And you can also act- the sponsor of Bankless Metamask. Yes, thank you, MetaMask. And you can actually like buy things.
0: Buy yeah, merch. Yeah, yeah. So not just not just sign in with Ethereum. I'm assuming Shopify using your sign in with Ethereum properties, you can like stick your address if you want to. It's up for your control or not. You stick your address and perhaps payment information into your sign in with Ethereum experience so you never have to redo that over and over and over again. And Ryan, the cool part is is that you can also, they're, they're releasing token gated products. So when you sign in to Shopify with sign in with Ethereum using your favorite wallet ever metamask, your sign in with Ethereum, the service will look into your favorite wallet ever metamask and see like, Oh, are you an owner of? Uh, a particular asset. Well, then a we will show a, a bankless poap, for example. Other th- bankless type assets. You can go to the bankless merch store, sign in with the best wallet ever, MetaMask, <laughs> and get uh, other products, token
1: gated products, unlocked to you. And this is all in Shopify. Yeah, that that's super cool. So the idea of having like specialty merch that mm-hmm. only specific token holders um, can actually select from that can be integrated with Shopify. It's really cool to see that.
0: So I don't know, maybe Bankless decides to do an NFT one day and then uh, that opens the the door up for all of our NFT holders to access some really cool merch. Perhaps we'll talk to Metafactory about building some cool merch, uh, but it'll happen through sign in with Ethereum plugged
1: into Shopify. And when you do that, make sure to use the best wallet ever, at MetaMask, who's also a sponsor of Bankless. <laughs> Thank you for sponsoring MetaMask. Uh, token terminal, they introduced financial statements for DAOs. D- David, this is just cool. Thought experiment, badass. Look, you know, um, the SEC requires that companies, publicly traded companies release their financial statements, their 10 Ks and such. Guess what? We can generate that automatically on chain with crypto protocols. More transparent than any regulated, crypto publicly traded publicly traded company could be crypto is is better regulated crypto and more transparent company. like I, I mean look at this this is um zero x view their quarterly financials here there's even a terminal. download csv button yeah that is awesome. one inch updated in real time you don't have to wait on the quarter right yeah. where'd the revenue go it's all on chain anyone anyone can produce these reports this token terminal made it really easy friendly uh, user friendly to do this like name name something How Um, any regulator can, don't, doesn't see the value in this is insane. This is a regulator's best friend. This is the hypocrisy. I I just want to emphasize, we, we spent a lot of time talking about SEC and Gary Gensler. There's such hypocrisy Mm -hmm. in the approach that they're taking because if you are a regulator, you actually care about the mission of protecting retail investors and, um, you know, uh, fair and orderly capital markets and capital formation, then you should be supportive of an open, transparent financial system, one that allows you to generate financial reports in a second automatically from anywhere in the world. That is like unparalleled transparency. And here it is. You can just see a very clearly. There is a very long
0: history of corrupt companies reveling in the black box that they get between quarter end to quarter end, doing a bunch of illicit shuffling and moving around debt and doing a bunch of black box things, and it only becomes transparent at one snapshot four times a year you can there is a financial statement for every single defi protocol that happens every 12
1: seconds which is how long one ethereum block is it's so cool guys this is why we're in this space uh david we got some more to talk about in this episode what do we have coming up Coming up next, we got some questions from the
0: nation. We got a question about Canto as a result of the recent podcast, as well as Cosmos, the Cosmos Chain versus Optimism's bedrock. So we're going to talk about that. And then of course we got three takes from the week. Uh, Ryan brings up the subject matter that's not about crypto. So stay tuned for that take of the week. And also, what are we bullish on? Uh, and the meme of the week. So all of this and more. But first, a
1: moment to talk about some of these fantastic sponsors that make the show possible. Questions from the Bankless Nation Discord. Let's get to them, David. The first one is from Weston Estate Fan. Given the recent Canto podcast, how do you think Canto will hold up against established L1s and L2s? Are the public good infrastructure incentives through contract shared revenue sufficient to differentiate the chain? That is the question. Uh, Give us a refresh on what Canto is for folks that missed the podcast episode on it. Mm -hmm. And uh, then if you could answer this question.
0: Yeah, Kanto is an EVM-compatible Cosmos IBC chain, which is a mouthful. So it's a chain on the Cosmos ecosystem that is EVM-compatible, and its main differentiator is this thing called CSR, Contract Secured Revenue. Uh, and we had a podcast with Zach Cole, who's one of the core contributors of Kanto, uh, over a week ago. Uh, and so the question again is, uh, how is Canto differentiated enough to hold its weight up against other layer ones or layer twos? Um, interestingly, Canto did not create or invent contract secured revenue, uh, near, uh, as a blockchain also has CSR and it's already been around for You're a very about, long time uh, on the layer one level anyway, the right. layer One level. Yeah. yeah. So there's already other chains out there that have contract secured revenue, uh, near never really seems to have taken off so at least Kanto has found a way to bootstrap itself in ways that near hasn't um i am not convinced at all that this short-term price movement in Kanto is indicative of its long-term health that is needs to be proven out with proof and time over the long term which is the take we had last week um so while canto is at the beginning of what could be that, it is still very, very early, and so I'm still in the camp that this is just a short-term rotational trade, a little bit of a momentum play. We will see how well Canto can hold itself up to uh, other, like like I said, other layer ones or layer twos. Um, the I so, saw, I mean, you we bankless people will let, know that. are I kind of think that anything of value ultimately becomes built on Ethereum. That's kind of the point of Ethereum, uh, and so if it's proving to work at the Canto level. It is only a matter of time for a, an Ethereum layer 2 to copy that and run with it. And then you have what differentiated Kanto in a positive way plus all of the network effects of all the other things that benefit you from being on Ethereum. Um, and so I think the jury is definitely still out that Kanto has sticking power.
1: You know, one thing it has that Near didn't is, you know, Near was kind of like mostly a VC-backed um True. kind of coin, right? And BG, so who BC had all chain, of the toy, yeah. coins, a bunch of VCs? Kanto had a bunch of builders, with right. um, the initial seed of their coins, yes. so that's why we're seeing more early activity. I think because right. there's yeah. it's more ground up, organic, community oriented sentiment. Right. Now whether it can sustain that is another question. But there's also, I mean, Zach Cole, um, we had the podcast, also mentioned the possibility of like maybe at some stage, Kanto converts into a, a, layer, a layer two. Right. And he said that the reason they used the the Cosmos app chain model is because those were the best tools available for a launching a blockchain at the time they launched it, which was like, what, um, last year, at the end of last yes. year, something It's the same logic as DYDX. Like, why is DYDX right.
0: going from, uh, Stark X layer two onto Cosmos? It's because of the same reason why they started Kanto as a Cosmos chain. Now, but I, it's all, it's in the design roadmap of all these layer twos to not have the problem that Canto cited as to why they became independent in the first place.
1: And I think that goes into the next question, which is really a question of Cosmos versus Bedrock. So here's Mm -hmm. a question from Kyle Kaplan. Hi, I had a question about Cosmos versus Bedrock. Cosmos has IBC, that's inter-blockchain communication, that's a protocol, for interoperability between chains. And I think Bedrock will support interoperability between other Bedrock chains, correct me if I'm wrong you see a feature where projects use bedrock for app chains similar to the cosmos model so first i feel like you have to explain a term the term app chain and then mm-hmm. you need to explain maybe like bedrock for us sure. in order to answer this question Yeah. Uh,
0: okay. Thanks for the question,
1: Kyle Kaplan. I love
0: this subject. Uh, so actually one thing, uh, one thing of clarification, it's not Cosmos versus Bedrock, it's Cosmos versus the OP stack. The OP stack is the generalizable app chain infrastructure for Optimism. Optimism mainnet is upgrading to Bedrock, which is the first time that Optimism will use the OP stack. So Bedrock is one specific flavor of the OP stack. So it's the OP stack that is like the bare bones scaffolding that creates many, many, many different app chains on top of bedrock which is optimism mainnet uh, and so like you say Cos- cosmos has ibc for interoperability between chains and so cosmos is like this mesh network of chains there is no central mainnet it uses ibc to connect all of these cosmos chains into this mesh network that doesn't have a center um, and you are correct in you're saying that uh, bedrock actually op stack will support interoperability between other op stack chains uh, and so because all of these chains are being built on the op stack standard there becomes additional surface area for cross-chain composability inside of the OP Stack standard, uh, and so many, many, many app chains can come to be built on the Optimism OP Stack. And as more, uh, as the OP Stack becomes the standard, it becomes so much easier to abstract away the boundaries between these chains, and so you can get things like cross-chain synchronization of transactions, atomic transactions, uh, and so just the walls be- between. OP stack chains start to blur. Uh, and so do you see a future where projects use uh, OP stack for app chains similar to the Cosmos model? That is the whole entire point of the OP stack is to create more chains that you can count and to have all of those boundaries between all of those chains completely abstracted away from the end user. And so that's why the Optimism team has called this the vision, the super chain, because it's like a fractal root system of chains and you don't have to be worried about where you are on the OP stack.
1: It's hugely bullish. One thing also It's say, extremely one bullish. One thing that's <laughs> different between kind of like the, the whole bedrock uh, approach and the OP stack approach versus um, Cosmos is shared security is native Yes. So all, everything in Bedrock, it's a layer two of Ethereum. So ultimately it inherits the security of Ethereum. And so it all mm-hmm. settles that. That is not true with Cosmos app chains. They have kind of unique validator sets and some of these can sort of mesh together and provide some shared security, but there's not shared security across the entire Cosmos uh, ecosystem. And so I think that is a significant difference too. But this is an example, David, of eth- the Ethereum ecosystem really catching up on app chains because cosmos has been far ahead of ethereum in app chains i mean it was kind of built for this purpose and ethereum has not caught up yet but i think it's going to start to with um these layer twos and these kind of frameworks uh and code bases like um bedrock that allow anyone to basically spin up their own layer two secured app chain so it's pretty cool to see another another war in progress between chains that only benefits the users and the developers So
0: while Cosmos is definitely further ahead on the app chain world than Ethereum, remember like they are so far behind on the shared security and native money of Cosmos. It's the hard thing.
1: Sorry? That's That's the the, the way way harder thing. (laughs) Let's talk about some takes of the week. This one was from Balaji. So I think I prompted this tweet a little bit because I said, okay, crypto, what's the best way to fight this rogue SEC? It was kind of on my mind given last week's event. I feel like Balaji gave the best answer to this. David, you want to read this? Balaji says, you need a state to fight a state.
0: United States like Wyoming, Tennessee, Mississippi, Montana are passing bills in support of DAOs and Bitcoin mining. Meanwhile, foreign states like El Salvador or the UAE are recruiting crypto founders. Sanctuary states for innovation, both inside and outside. Interesting.
1: Yeah. Interesting. He's totally right. I think this is the ultimate answer to like, what do we do about the rogue SEC is you compete with them. You disrupt yeah. them. Yeah. He, he goes on, by the way, Be uh, than them. W- which is, I think, even almost even better than the parent tweet. He said, the other part, we need to build a better financial regulator than the SEC. Free, open source, on-chain star ratings for crypto projects, eventually adopted by U.S. states and foreign states in lieu of the SEC, which didn't catch FTX. Guess what? The SEC ain't the only regulator in town. The U.S. ain't the only country in town either. And the SEC isn't even the only regulator necessarily in the US. We were just showing you on Token Terminal, boom, click click of a button and you can generate audited, chain audited financial reports, right? Well, that is on-chain regulation in and of itself. That is using code to enforce transparency in crypto. And so Balaji's other point is we can build a better financial regulator than the SEC. That's ultimately what is going to shift SEC policy is um, you disrupt them, you outcompete them, right? They are the blockbuster of regulators and you've just come out with Netflix. Uh, I really like his take here. And of course, you know, Balaji is very bullish on the network state ideas and Mm -hmm. and, that kind of uh, is the lens through which he sees all of crypto. Yep. Punk
0: 6529 moving on says, if cash were proposed today, it would absolutely not be
1: approved. Yeah, this is like a consensus take by now in the crypto world. Yeah. And what does he mean by that? Just like physical cash money. If Congress said, Hey, we've got this idea. It's like, you mean a form of
0: cash that we can't trace and, and people are free to transact without permission. God, we can't have that. It's peer to peer. It's It's peer to peer. It's it's private. How do we regulate it? it? Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't make an influencer video about cash. uh david Uh, sean adams tweets out how old were you when you
1: realized the adults have
0: no idea what they were doing ryan i feel like there's a backstory to this there's actually
1: i was just thinking about it of um okay well i'll maybe give my answer to this question is like i actually think that um how old were you when you realized the adults have no idea what they're doing i think that is the point when you realize that at which you actually become an adult and oh when you have to take on responsibility because you realize that if you don't no one else will yes that is actually the marker like that's kind of for me it was almost like the meta answer to this question it's going to be a different age for everyone but mm-hmm. that is what marks adulthood and some people reach that mm-hmm. at different times for me it was probably like gradual over time it wasn't just suddenly like i woke up and i'm 15 years old and i'm like what the hell these adults are... it was just like gradual data collection being like and then right. getting in places where it was it was sort of cohorts of groups where i was like Well, of course, these adults don't know what they're doing, but there's smarter adults out there that have more influence and power, and surely they know what they're doing. No, it's adults not knowing what they're doing all the way down, right? Like, everywhere you go, you see this. And uh, so I guess maybe for me, it's been a journey of gradually coming to that realization and becoming an adult over time as a result and taking on that responsibility, being like, okay, well, I don't really know what I'm doing either, but I'm gonna give it a shot. And if not me, these other adults don't know, And uh, so I'm going to band together with with others that also want to take on these types of adult responsibilities and make the world a better place. Uh, But same question to you. Like, when did you realize that the adults just don't know?
0: Yeah, I think for me, it was crypto. Uh, I didn't, I woke up to this kind of ideas like, wait, most people don't know shit. about (laughs) Most things we're all just as humanity, just making this up as we go. Uh, and it was really crypto that using crypto as a lens for viewing the rest of the world. Um, that allowed me to kind of see that like so many other people don't know what they're doing and they're just making things up. And it was like, oh, if you can portray confidence, a lot of people will just start listening to you no matter what. Which is terrible because that is not the right thing to optimize for. The optimize the optimize thing to optimize for is like being correct and responsible. Uh, I'm a firm believer that responsibility is the meaning and purpose of life. To take responsibility and put responsibility on your shoulders uh and so there the, that's the realization i had once again in the end of 2022 after like three hours capital went to zero and terra luna was dumb and bad and we knew it yet people still follow terra luna and ftx and spf like a lot of people just posture and a lot of other people just follow those people and meanwhile the responsible adults kind of get drowned out at least in that particular phase of the market and so like once again it's like god damn it you have to fix
1: all this (laughs) that that Uh, i i i I hope that's the bankless um call that's why we call you know people who are in the crypto journey for the long run settlers right it's um you're taking on adult responsibilities in crypto because we actually want to grow this community and this movement for the long run and Mm -hmm. um we're gonna make long-term decisions here not not short-term shortcuts uh
0: remember remember the subject of my talk at eat Denver or at shelling point oh uh shelling point was last year no, this year. No, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, you yeah. said you, psychology, you're, you're, right? It's like how, yeah, the way how crypto, crypto protocols... grows you up
1: and matures Exactly. Here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: That's part of the subtext. It's like when you have self sovereign money and finance and yeah. self custody and influence over your protocols, you are given a lot more responsibility. So I think the advent, I'm just teasing bit by bit by bit my talk over the last few weeks, the advent of crypto protocols will help society grow up faster because it gives
1: us more things to have ownership over Yeah, I, and be responsible for. I certainly hope so. Um, David. Let me ask you the question I ask you every week. What are you bullish about?
0: So all of this uh, clamoring about the ZK EVM, Ryan, uh, taking what I learned from Starkware, uh, the Starkware sessions uh, that I was at a yes. week and a half ago, um, so much more can go on chain with a ZK EVM than even with an optimistic rollup. So there's just like this untapped playing field. Obviously, like some things come to mind, like on-chain gaming. We can put more of our game logic on-chain and make that composable, and people will use that as a playground. But that's just like one thing. More and more things that go on-chain are more and more surface area for more and more things to get built. And so like there is this world out there called the ZKEVMs that are going to have more things, more logic on-chain, and allow for more composability. And we have these teams that are racing to produce this new real estate. There is going to be so much innovation as a result of the zkEVM world. Is, this really that is people are not
1: accounting for. This really is like crypto's uh, bandwidth broadband moment. moment. Broadband moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. that's like when we, the internet we, we got could not
1: really have good. had the in dial-up land.
0: We could not have had Netflix. Yeah, this is going to be the same thing. We're going to be able to get like all of the use cases of the internet that require high throughput we're going to apply that same logic to ZK EVMs. We're going to untap this massive new field of what can be done because we can put so much stuff on chain. Yeah.
1: Do you, do you, I don't know if you ever saw that clip. It was from like 1993 or something. And it was like Bill Gates being interviewed by David Letterman. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was asking like, like Bill, like explain the internet or something. And, um, Bill Gates was like, well, you know, you'll be able to kind of listen to, um, broadcasts, uh, right. online and music. And Letterman's like, what, you mean like the radio?
2: The radio? Yeah. Right?
1: And he, and he, everyone, and everyone laughs. Right. Everyone laughs. Like, yeah, what a joke. But like, it, it's just back in 1993, that was beyond, po- like, it was impossible. Right. You couldn't even right. stream, stream, stream. I don't even know if we had MP3 uh, compression format back then, but you Probably certainly not. couldn't, uh, stream sound, let alone video. No way. And uh, 10 years later, uh, we had broadband and everything changed. So all of the crypto use cases that um, people have said are on the horizon and and they are coming and um, like crypto gaming and all these things that we haven't seen yet, I think a lot of that's just been waiting for broadband. And uh, this is the beginning of that. I will say that is
0: definitely true. Like all these crypto use cases, like streaming payments, like stuff like that. But also importantly, we just, there's so much, there's more stuff than the stuff that we know about in the world that we don't know about like there's new stuff that we do not know about that we cannot imagine we just need one creative developer to do something and then all of a sudden people are like oh i didn't know you could do that and then all of a sudden a new world happens and that's what i'm bullish on yeah very cool what what are you bullish on Ryan?
1: uh more ai content on bankless david (laughs) i feel like we got to do it now um so we recorded a podcast with uh eliezer yukowski earlier this week Mm. it comes out monday if you are a Bankless Citizen, you already have that episode. And it was the first podcast, David, where I feel like I was prepared for a completely different podcast than it turned mm. out to be. And I'm like, I'm mm. almost like doubting myself. I'm like, maybe like, did I do kind of a shitty job on that? Like, uh, I mean, you were there. It was just a very hard it was a difficult interview it was a yes. difficult interview and we accidentally a, stumbled into
0: like 400 level ai content
1: yes uh i i was telling you david before like when we were recapping that that episode where it felt like um we we wanted to get some uh not necessarily light ai topic but just like an overview right. of ai and let's learn a little bit about ai and how it intersects right. with crypto and like rather than like doing the level one boss we do, went all the way to the final boss <laughs> and like genius level ai guy who is um very doomerist about the entire yeah. project, AI, AI doomer. Yeah, basically, I mean, we we titled the episode "We're All Going to Die" because that, that was the conclusion. The yeah. entire it was the start, it was the conclusion, it was the middle, it was all of it was we're all going to die. And um, I, that the, the debrief of that episode, I actually might go back and listen to it again because I was in a pretty bad mental state, like after that episode, almost like existential dread type of stuff, which. Um, I don't know that I've been hit like that in a while. Like, obviously we all, you know, when we first realized there's nuclear weapons that can blow up the world, right? That's, that's kind of a moment, uh, in your existence where you're like, wow, this is like, we're on a knife's edge of success or failure as a species. And this was another one for me, not that I hadn't heard the kind of the case for, um, artificial general intelligence and how it could spell doom for anyone, but it's just to see someone, uh, in, not in the flesh, I guess, across the screen, but like to be with someone who has clearly thought about this, tried his hardest against it. And almost like, I don't want to say given up, but like, is just, he's reached this inevitable conclusion that we're all going to die. It was, um, it was very, um, I don't know, it was, it was a moment for me, a memorable moment. And, um, there might be some like failings on that podcast too. I feel like, like maybe there are different directions we could have asked him. And so I'd love the bankless community's kind of feedback on what we could have done differently. But all of this means is I, we can't let that be the last episode on bankless about AI. All right. Because uh, if it is, I don't think we've told the full story. There's got to be someone much more optimistic about things that are going on artificial intelligence. I'm looking for like another doctor to give me a second opinion on that Mm -hmm. terminal diagnosis that Eliezer just gave us that aside. Eliezer's uh, brilliant. I think it's a really right. interesting episode. If you want to see two crypto guys try to, like, not to get dragged down, uh, in, like, going in too deep in, in the deep end with this subject, then this is the episode they you know, like to 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 watch. But, uh, yeah, I've been thinking about this episode the entire week. So um, it's – I don't know if I'm really bullish about it. I just wanted to fit this in. I wanted to tell that to you right now.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, hopefully
0: I hopefully have good news for you, Ryan, because uh, Vitalik – uh, put me into DMS with Sam Altman. Uh, and so, uh, got a response from Sam Altman, TBD. So whether I can get him to say yes, to come on to the show. Uh, but this would be the first ever this, Sam Altman is the guy behind chat GPT and open AI. Right? Oh yeah. And okay. I don't, I don't think he's done a podcast since the rise of chat GPT. So we, if we could land that interview, that would be awesome. Uh, and also that would be the, the more optimistic, uh, typical happy flavor of bankless content that we would be able to really got there. me down that. this week, man. Yeah, yeah, you did, but I'm also bullish on AI content. Um, and this, and like, this isn't just bankless, like, oh, bankless is doing AI stuff. We talk about front running the opportunity. That's one of the main themes of this show. Eventually AI and the, in crypto worlds will collide and we want to equip, the bankless community with the ability to
1: understand that inevitable conclusion, which is why we're doing AI stuff. David, we also talk about coordination failures, and if we yeah. can't protect ourselves from artificial general intelligence, like that—that that is the mother of all coordination failures. If we screw right. that one up, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Bankless is much more of a coordination podcast than it is a crypto podcast. Well, I'd say so is Ethereum coordination yeah. technology. That's uh, coordination that's technology. really the hope here. Uh, all right, mm-hmm. meme of the week, David. What do we got? Meme of the week. What do we have as meme of the week?
0: Sell me this Satoshi. This is a, what, what movie is this? Wolf from of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Sell me this Satoshi. And this is the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, holding up a pen. And he's like, sell me this pen. Uh, <laughs> so the response to sell me this Satoshi is it's an ordinal. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> For those that don't know, an ordinal is, uh, and basically data that's appended to a single Satoshi. So all of a sudden a single Satoshi can have the value of an NFT. Uh, that's the meme.
1: Very cool. Uh, all right, guys, risks and disclaimers, of course. None of this has been financial advice. No, neither David and myself are registered investment advisors. We <laughs> never will be, at least maybe David will someday. I won't. I can nope. promise you that. Nope. Uh, crypto is risky. You got to know this by now. We tell you every week you could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the Bankless journey. Thanks a lot.